Hello and welcome to another episode of Bring on the Podcasts. As always, I'm your host, Luke Thompson. TV is with us. Ty, how you doing? Oh, hanging in there. We, you know, we had to get some positivity, so that's not why you brought me on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that is why we brought on former Kansas State All-American Center Super Bowl champion Nick Leckie. Nick, uh, I hope you got some some positive thoughts for us today. Of course I do. Of course, I always do. Like, you can always find the silver lining. You just have to look hard. And this year was a little bit more difficult, but you found it. I found it. <laughs> <laughs> we got it. We knew you would. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess we'll start with, you know, it is a tough end of the season, but it was 2020. There's going to be an asterisk. The first thing is, you know, K-State played every game. That's a lot more than a lot of teams you can say. I mean, look at Washington. I feel so bad for them. They don't even get to play in the Pac-12 championship because they, they announced right. today. I don't know if you saw that. I did not see that. Oh. Yeah. It's going to be Oregon. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That so that's rough. But, you know, well, so K-State like, got to play I, every I, game. I, I halfway too. feel sorry for them, but I halfway don't because the only reason they were going to go was because they didn't play Oregon. So. That's true, too. That's true. That, that's a good point. That's a really good point. Yeah, um, I, I love how we are handing out participation badges, Luke, in college football. That's, they did. They yeah. participated in every game. They were good people. I, I didn't think it was going to happen yeah. when he first when he first let them all back to school in Manhattan and Lawrence were just back at the bars like it was normal normal Saturday night. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But hey, I can't follow. Then, if I was eighteen, I'd be doing. You guys, we'd be doing that same thing. We're uh, we, yeah, I mean, I, Coach, Coach I know Feynman, myself at eighteen. You know, <laughs> yeah, I think it was after the Iowa State game. He said some things about like the responsibility needs to be better. So he kind of hinted at that. But yeah, I mean, I wasn't a student athlete, and I wasn't like a guy to go to parties and bars all the time. But still, to not have that social aspect at all, I, I can't even imagine. It's half the fun. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as yeah. much as we love Manhattan, what do we love about Manhattan? Like, I mean, there are some <laughs> things that are not. Yeah, I mean, there are some things that are not the bars and the house parties and things like that. But to be honest, that was a really big part of it. So it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one thing before we get into the K State stuff, like, it's crazy to me how many coaches are getting fired, and you know, especially the, the Gus Malzahn. Where it's twenty-one plus million, million like, dollars. Hey, you guys, that's the most corrupt system. Ooh. The fact that coaches can get fired and still get paid, it makes no sense to oh. me. Like if I was a coach, I'd be like, I need my walking money. Like I'm just gonna just minimal effort, get fired, collect the check. <laughs> I mean, just I just feel, man, just it's such a crappy way. And don't even start. Now I'm gonna start talking about Debo and 90 million and saying college coach. Oh boy! I mean, don't even get me started. Don't even. Yeah, 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 yeah we, we got yeah. a lot, lot of, lot of rabbit holes. Off yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm tiptoeing to the tulips, trying to avoid all those rabbit holes. Man. And I mean, the the, the Vandy one to to fire mid season before their season was even over. Like, what? There's got to be something more. They ain't like a traditional SEC yeah. powerhouse where they expect greatness and national yeah. championship or bust at Vandy. I mean, they beat K State a couple years ago and hung a banner or something like that. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. Anyway, to get into Kansas State, I guess the first thing is, you know, the biggest loss of the season was obviously not even COVID related. It was Skylar Thompson getting hit. I don't know if I'll ever forgive Rico Jeffers for that. You know, there's been discussions about how many games would Kansas State have won with him at quarterback. I think Tech, Oklahoma State and Baylor, you could make arguments for. I don't know. What do you guys think? Ty? (laughs) I was pausing uh, not only to allow Nick to answer, but also because I was contemplating the possibility that we'll start hearing stories about 
some mysterious person lighting a bag of dog shit on fire on Rico Jeffers uh, porch <laughs> in the future. And we'll, and, and we'll know like every, I don't, I don't remember which day of the, of the year that was, but like every October 15th and we'll, we'll just yeah. know that Luke uh, yeah. uh, went to Rico's house for that. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's, a, that's a good question. And I thought about that a little bit a few weeks ago. And if you, <laughs> to, to drag out a, a, an economics phrase that I learned at K-State. So, you know, if you go ceteris paribus and you assume that all other things remain equal and we have Skyler back, I mean, sure, you can definitely make an argument for winning the Oklahoma State game, winning the Baylor game. I can't, I don't think I can really think of anything else along those lines. But you just, especially in this year when there are so many variables uh, at play, like, you just never know. And like, I mean, Oklahoma State, like, I mean, the only reason that that game was really in play was they were missing everybody. Like, wasn't Sanders out and Tylen Wallace out? And right. Chuba Hubbard missed most of the game, I think. Like, mm-hmm. they, they were down a bunch of guys, too. So, like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, again, if you just assume everything else stays the same, there's definitely a chance that we win a couple more with Skyler around. Ty, all of them. We're undefeated right now. We're thinking. <laughs> okay, so honestly, no, but honestly, like I, I think it took Casey had a couple of years to figure out Skyler, and I never thought they would. But then, I mean, think of all the offenses Skyler went through. It's tough to transition, new head coach, you know, your your junior year. But I think that I mean, Skyler had shit figured out. Like, I mean, they looked versus Oklahoma. They looked strong. I mean, you got a, a big body offensive lineman. You know, your defense is solid as hell. You got an emerging running back and Deuce Vaughn. I, I saw that Malik Knowles and Skyler's connection was was awesome. Was fantastic. They knew each other. And then factor in uh, number zero. What's his Briley Moore? Right. Right. Factor in Briley Moore. I mean, he's with Skyler at the helm. I mean, gosh, if that's your number two is Briley and Malik was your number one, and then you factor in all the other people who contributed, sky's the limit. Yeah, I, yeah. Well, and, and beyond that, you know, you don't have very many opportunities to have a four-year starter playing at Correct. quarterback for you. So even if we were just to say, look, he probably doesn't throw a bunch of those interceptions that Will Howard threw. And, and I want to make it very clear here that I'm not dogging on Will Howard. He's a true freshman that got thrown into playing quarterback in the middle of the season. Like, right. I mean, that's, that's tough. That's really tough. We'll talk more about Will um, later. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. But Even if you just eliminate those turnovers, I mean, that's huge just across the course of the season. Agreed to, because some of those, yeah, yeah, we'll get into it later. But, yeah, I agree. But I do think, I mean, just with Skyler being back there, like, it's it's a difference. And plus, you know, everyone has more confidence and, you know, and then the coaches have him, had him figured out and Skyler, you knew what he could do. And I think this was the first year Skyler, he would run with the ball and I wouldn't, like, kind of cringe. I'd be like, (laughs) he's got this. Yeah, yeah. And so that kind of brings you to a question, and I was going to save this for later, but but I think it maybe is better asking now, you know, if you're Skyler, you've been through so much, you've been through a lot of injuries, you know, that, that there's been some bad things that's happened. You know, he's graduated, but he also has dedicated, you know, a ton of his life to football. Uh, so do you come back for a, for a fifth season? I, the burnout rate is high, man. You know, it's difficult. And sometimes you just, your, your body hurts and, you don't want to come back and you just kind of want to move on like you want to, but then also the other part of you is like, you know, 10, 20 years from now, are you like 
damn, man, I had a free year and I could have done it. Like you're, I think you'll regret that for the rest of your life. Uh, I can't tell you how many people I've run into at bars or events and they're like, Oh, Hey Nick. Oh, cool, man. You play college football or pros. You know, I didn't do it because I got hurt or as a sophomore in high school, or I didn't because I was too little or cause my mom told me not to. So I think if you look at it, he'll regret not coming back unless he's that beat down. And then if it's that, you know, if he's that injured and it's not going to be worth it, if your shoulders messed up or so, yeah. Right. Nick, I was glad you threw in the I was too little part because that was definitely going to be my line. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, a thing, man. No, it's a thing. It's a real thing. I always tell I just, people, if you can do it, do it. I, <laughs> I mean, when I hear the whole, uh, oh, yeah, I totally could have thrown the ball over them mountains, except for whatever. <laughs> it, it, remind, it just makes me think of all these keyboard warriors talking shit on the Vandy kicker. But that's a whole oh, separate thing. We, yeah, we won't yeah. go down that one. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of factors at play there, Nick. And I <laughs> I definitely wanted you to take that question uh, <laughs> instead of me. But, like, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, you know, Skyler's not going to get drafted in the NFL draft. I yeah, don't think. Uh, yeah, right. correct, correct. So, like, he doesn't, he doesn't have a pro career to look forward to. But, you know, also on the other hand, you know, K-State's – I mean, I want to be careful about how much I read into this year because it's such a weird year. But, like, I don't look at this team and think, wow, this is a team coming back next year that we think is, you know, really poised to challenge to win, like, a Big 12 title or something. Like, I think oh. they could have a solid season next year. But now Nick's, now Nick's going to be Tied. mad at me yeah. for not being yeah. positive enough. <laughs> <laughs> That's your opinion. I'll you just know? mess with you. No, yeah. I know, I know. But, like, you know, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, you know, a, the player's mentality, maybe he thinks they can do that. And maybe he wants to come back and, you know, and try to prove to people that they can do that. So it could cut either way. Yeah. But yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I just, I don't know. Like, I mean, I look at it like, you know, knowing me and like not knowing, you know, what the pain is like of, you know, competing every day and getting hit every day and getting beat up like that. You know, I, I feel like I would want to ride that train as long as I could, but there's obviously so much more that goes into that that you know we never see that i just i won't blame him either way like if he walks off i'll I'll thank him for what he's done and if he comes back i'll be like hey we have a five-year starter at quarterback coming back (laughs) (laughs) there will be yeah that will be there will be a lot of uh, oddities next year since this is essentially like not a year right this doesn't count like nc2a yeah right i'm gonna adopt that in real life too this this whole year doesn't count (laughs) Yeah, 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 it, yeah. It, it's just gonna yeah. be this big black hole in the history books for this year. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be. And then you know, be, I mean, yeah. the other thing, the other thing you got to mention at quarterback is K State has a highly touted recruit coming in, and Jake Rubley. Yes. And you know, we know Jake Rubley thinks Jake Rubley is gonna start next year. Well, I mean, I, I know that I, I know that I, you know, threw this caveat out there, but you know, you look at the quarterback play this year, and you. I mean, if you're Jake Rubley, of course you think that you can play. Now, yeah. that's a big step up, you know, and he's he's going to get his eyes opened a little bit when he steps on the practice field and starts playing with these guys. But, you know, Will Howard did not exactly blow the doors off of, you know, anybody's vehicle with his play this year. And, again, he's a true freshman, and he got thrown in the middle of it. Like, I, I mean, he, what is he, 19 years old? What the hell was I doing at 19 years old? I certainly wasn't trying to throw, <laughs> throw, throw passes in a Big 12 football game. So, well, you, know, you know, I don't yeah. know. Well, and I, I look at it, you look at like L. Roberson, like in 2001, he was a sophomore. So it was his third year at K-State. 
sort of a knucklehead his early part of his career <laughs> and um sophomore year like i mean we we battled some games close but i think if you can get that experience right there's real game experience like not practice not a scrimmage like actual game experience and then look at his progression from 2001 to 2002 i mean granted you had mark dunn they were doing the whole back and forth competing but that progression was, was invaluable so i think for will to come back and be like okay i made this mistake and i'll never make it again Right. So you have all these these experiences that you've collected that, man, he comes out next year, man, he's going to be a different. You didn't have all this motivation in the offseason. You need a different player next year. I promise you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so yeah. that kind of yeah, brings I me to, totally. I mean, the big question about Will is, is what improvements did you see from him from game to game this year? You know, it was tough since it was a COVID year. And yeah. the fact that, you know, you different offensive line, um, I think mm-hmm. for one, the running. I think, you yeah. know, I think, I think uh, we look at it as such an easy thing because we see all these great quarterbacks, but I always put yourself in his shoes, right? You drop back, right? And you see everything and you get this design run. You got to fit this hole, right? And you got, okay, I'm running right off the center's right hip. You know, that that's the hole. All of a sudden the hole collapses. You got to make it, make a move. And imagine just running with the expectations of you're about to get, get hit at any second. I mean, it takes a lot of nerve and confidence to be able to run well. And I, I thought he showed some signs late about, about running well and picking up schemes too. I think a lot of these high school players are, are coming into college and they're, they've been spoon fed because they'll, you know, they'll, they'll get under center and then, you know, they'll do a fake dummy cadence and they'll look to the sideline and the coach will be like, Hey, dial number four and look at, look at his little wristband and say, okay, number four and call it, you know? And, and if they're doing spread, they're not worried about coverages because you're throwing a spots. So yeah, it's a, He'll come back strong. Yeah. 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 I, I agree, Nick. His running looks so much more decisive late in the year. And, you know, I mean, that's, that's definitely experience and learning because that, I mean, that's just, you know, that's subconscious reaction to what you're seeing around you. And yeah. I think that, I, I mean, he didn't really improve in terms of, you know, not throwing interceptions later in the year. Um, <laughs> but but I guess I, I guess I guess if we're trying to look really hard and squint really hard for our silver linings here, I saw fewer of those times later in the year when he would take his hand off the ball like he was going to throw it and then be like, oh, nope, 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 not not what yeah. I wanted to do. Gonna gonna pull it back down and keep looking because man, he just did that a ton of times early in the year and I was just I mean, I I mean maybe it's just it's been ages since I've seen a true freshman quarterback play, but I was like my God, he's just, he's just thinking about every little thing. And, you know, he's just got to get to the point where he's just reading and reacting. Correct. And, and that stems from knowing the playbook back and forth, because it's one thing to know the playbook, but then it's another thing if you're, you know, mid, mid snap count and they roll a coverage and you got to make an audible, you know? So it's like, that's, that's the, the quick timing. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you guys talk about his running. I would remind you that, like, wasn't it like one of the first two or three snaps he had? He went 80 yards, but that was mostly just see hole run up, run straight up the middle. So <laughs> that, that yeah. was a big bust by TCU. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which, hey, nice job taking advantage of it. I'm, I'm not going to take credit away from him, but <laughs> goddamn, yeah. TCU. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see. And, and kind of, you know, like you talked about, Nick, a lot of it is just, you know, getting the right reads and being able to read the defense. You know, is that something where having an actual spring, you think, will help him? Yeah, I, and I think just getting film getting film session, right? And and it's one thing to be coached something, but it's another thing to, like, coach something that, that you pick up on. Like, I don't think I was till, like, my fourth year in the NFL that I learned how to read coverages 
and her how to look at like the four shell to find like in a in a crazy blitz situation third and seven plus to read the, the so like I, I would come up to the line of scrimmage as the center and I'd go okay where's my corner safety safety corner okay those guys are are out of my protection scheme so then I can I can pick the guys and see who's going to be the right ones kind of like I mean different level but like what Mahomes said about how you learn to read the defense your third year. You know, yeah. it clicks, it clicks. And that's for, for Will, he's, he's just got to click. And you can't do it mid-season in a COVID year. Yeah, yeah. that's tough. That's tough. All right, so that, that's Will Howard. Uh, we're going to talk about Coach Kleiman now. First, we'll take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. Okay, and we're back. So I I feel like the, the biggest criticism right now for Kleiman is, is people see all these transfers and they get worried. Um, and I know it, it's a COVID year and there's a lot of weird stuff happening. Um, and, you know, a lot of it seems like a fair amount of these guys are just it's more about playing time. And I don't think Casey has really lost any guys who are critical to the, the team this year. But, you know, what's your take on that? The, the abundance of transfers. Nick, are we are we playing chicken on this one? Yeah, Ty, that's you. you're always personnel, Ty. You're, you're really good at personnel. We I should I should have just immediately bowed to you. Yes, I just learned uh, Leviston Junior's name for the first time. Right, <laughs> left tackle. <laughs> I mean, uh, Luke, you're probably going to be disappointed in me here because I don't really have a hot take on it. I'm kind of in wait and see mode, mostly because I want to see I want I want to see how hard we hit the transfer portal because. I mean, transfers are up generally across the board. And I think, I mean, I think there's a lot of things to that. I mean, there's, there's the fact that it's easier to do now. You know, there's the fact that a lot of college towns kind of suck when you can't really go out and party uh, like, like you might. House parties, man. House parties. What are you talking about? You got to shit. Oh yeah, totally. Totally. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot to it. And, you know, there are some guys who I would have expected to start next year who went, you know, when I, when I was saw that they were, Heading out, I thought, whoa, that's that's not ideal. You know, I mean, they're not, you know, they're. I mean, I, I don't see anybody leaving that's like all Big Twelve caliber type of player. But, you know, replacement level players that would start next year, guys, you don't want to lose. You know, and you don't, you know, just like from a larger perspective, you know, a, a player development and a culture perspective, you know, you don't want to be turning over too much of the roster too often. But you know, if you have guys who aren't happy or who are malcontents or, you know, for whatever reason, just don't want to be here, I guess what I want to see is I want to see what they do in the transfer portal. Like if we're, if we're going to pull some of this old Fred Hoiberg stuff and pick up a bunch of guys that can really ball that are transfers from other places, then like, I'm not going to totally freak out about it. But like, if we, you know, just sign our regular recruiting class and we don't really pick up much in the transfer market and we're suddenly, you know, not, not at our 85 scholarship limit, you know, we're a little bit low on, on roster numbers, then, you know, then, then I'm going to worry about it a little bit more. You know, I, 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 I would have to say that I, I looked at all the transfers and at first I was a bit concerned just of the sheer number, but then, yeah. you know, Ty, you kind of intimated a little bit too with that is that they weren't starters. Uh, they were guys who probably, they might've been replacements or they might not even sniff the field. But I looked at it as a way to kind of get people who don't want to be at K-State anymore, let them go. You know, you're, you're poisoning the well, as they say. And for, for those guys to be able to get their wish and to go elsewhere, it, it's such a relief because, you know, I remember being at K-State 
and you're there. And I was committed. Like I'm Manhattan. We're good. I'm from Dallas. I'm not going back home. And guys would come up and they'd get homesick or they're like, man, I should, this, this coach from, from this other school still texting me, you know, and I want to go back home. And so, and, and then there are always those guys who are like, oh man, this sucks. I hate Manhattan. I wish I was back home in Houston or something like that or Florida. And I, w- I was like, well, I wish you would go. So now you have that chance to get people who really want to be here. So I think it's a cool way to kind of purge the, um, <laughs> as, Ty, as Ty said, the malcontents. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, yeah. That I makes mean, sense. I, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what I mean by, you know, by using the portal to our advantage, Nick. I think that's a good way to put it the way that you said it, just because like, you know, I mean, you know, you were talking about coaches and getting paid no matter what and all that, mm-hmm. but like, you know, they, they also used to exercise pretty much iron control over players. You know, they could yeah. blackball them from going to, you know, whatever list of schools they wanted not to go release to. Them. And, yeah. Yeah. Not release them. You know, they had to sit out a year and all this and that, like, you know, and I, so now, I, I mean, I know that, I mean, of course, football coaches are going to lament any loss of control over any, like even the most minute aspect of their program, let alone, mm-hmm. you know, personnel. But I think that if you're smart about it, I think, you know, if you recognize that you had a miss on a talent and not a talent, like on a character evaluation with somebody and you've got somebody in town who just doesn't want to be there. And they're like you said, Nick kind of poisoning the well or whatever, and just let them go. You know, I mean, if, if if you feel like Mm -hmm. if you're confident in your own recruiting ability and you, and you really are committed to hitting the transfer portal hard and finding some guys that you can bring in that way, then yeah, just let them go. Like use the rules to your advantage rather than complaining about the rules hurting you. Be like the Patriots, be like Belichick and the Patriots, right? Utilize the rules. Oh, well, it looks like you're cheating. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. I think, yeah, definitely the key is going to be, you know, making sure you replace those guys who left with, with some talent. And we could go down a Bruce Weber rabbit hole here, but we'll oh, keep God. this a football podcast. <laughs> oh, I love, I love yeah. Bruce, by the way, and I'm dead serious. I love yeah. Bruce. He's fantastic. <laughs> I'm serious. I do. Yeah. yeah I, I like him as a person. I, for sure. I, I I like Bruce okay. I think he's at the end of the line here, but I guess we'll see. I thought that I thought that before and been completely wrong. So Yeah. 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 Well, I mean I was I was the one who wrote that he should be fired about three weeks before he had his team in the Elite Eight. So you oh. know, <laughs> take, take my opinion for what it's worth. Freezing go. cold okay. take right there. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. ice yeah. cold. Well, and if you look at like, and by the way, Ty, when you say hit the transfer pro- portal, I'm like, that sounds like something they did in the '60s. Like hit the transfer <laughs> portal. Like, what kind of new term are you on right now? Man, yeah. I, I hope and they will. I, I hope it had some funky as hell music. <laughs> in the lava lamp, but you know what they do. I mean, even before <laughs> yeah. COVID, right? We got what Harry Trotter. What a hell of a pickup for a, a grad transfer. So you know, you know that these guys are going to be out there recruiting their tails off and and hitting the transfer portal, JUCO pipeline, and high school pipeline. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, I mean, they're going to have to. This, this is the world so, we live in. And if mm-hmm. you're not going to adapt to it, then you, you're not going to, you're not going to keep up with everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So, but to talk to about Coach, Coach Kleiman overall, I mean, I think so. The, the craziest thing I saw was somebody said, oh, look, he's got about the same record as Ron Prince after two years. Could have been, a, and I think there's a lot of reasons why that's ridiculous. Uh, you know, like COVID oh, and the situation he walked into. But 
Nick, I know you've been very high on, on Chris Kleiman. So has your opinion on him changed at all after this season? Oh, yeah. I'm still hitting the transfer portal on Kleiman for sure. Yeah. <laughs> very high. I, yeah, I stay high on Kleiman. And I think especially during this time, too, because I think it would have been it would have been very easy to bench Will Howard after a couple of games. And but then you don't look at mm-hmm. like it, to me, this really endeared me to, to Kleiman, uh, got me even higher on him, was that his he wasn't going to let Will like bench him. Cause I think you have to protect your confidence and the quarterback's confidence, especially the true freshman. I mean, they're essentially asked to come in and be a hero and it's tough to, when you don't have your full background, you know, spring ball, summer, all that stuff. And he kept him in, you know, and, and I think he made some strides, you know, and stuff like that had some mistakes for sure, but he stuck with them. And, and that says a lot about like, that that's talking to the O-line, it's talking to the receivers, talking to the running backs. Hey, listen, we're going to stick with you where if you're a player and, and if you're a coach and, and if you're coaching this world of fear where you make a mistake, like, I mean, look at you. If, if you guys are at your job um, and if you're afraid to make a mistake, how bad are you going to perform? Hate it. Right? Hate it's it. mis- So it's the same concept <laughs> in football, man. I mean, you have to. Like if you say if you're on this razor's edge where I mess up, I throw an interception, I'm going to get benched. If you have that in the back of your mind, you're not unlocking your full potential. So I thought it was cool. Climate's message each week uh, was, was consistent. And it was like, hey, we like Will. You know, he's making some mistakes, but we're going to get behind it. And so that's really cool. So that speaks a lot to players and that speaks volumes on his coaching staff or and him. Just to be, be, be confident, man. Here's our decision. We're going to roll with it. And it's really cool, man. He kept a level head. And that's, you know, as a player, you know, you take to your coach's mentality. I remember playing for Sean Payton with New Orleans and you took to his mentality. Right. And it gives you confidence to execute the game plans. Mm-hmm. But so the biggest concern for me was, I mean, it was actually the one game that Skyler did get benched, the Iowa State game. And then also, you know, just in case he was on defense against Texas, you know, it wasn't just losses. It was, they were big losses. Something Chris Kleiman has never had that happen to him in his career. And it was the first time in a while where I felt like there was just no hope. You know, everything was going wrong. And, I, I, you know, I said some things I regret on Twitter now, you know? Oh, no. Oh, no. So, yeah, that, that Iowa State was brutal, though. I, I, feel, I feel it. That uh, was brutal. That was brutal. Yeah. I but, mean, those are the kind of games I mean, where it's like, uh, how, does, how does this happen? You know, has he, has he lost the team a little bit at that no. point? I mean, as far as climbing goes, Nick, that's a good point. I had not thought of it that way. But how many times do you see – a coach panic and pull some well, back in the days when red shirts were like really a thing. Right. How many times did you see a coach panic in the seventh game or the eighth game or even the 10th game, just because like they were fighting for bowl eligibility or something. And he knew if he didn't get bowl eligible, he was going to get canned or would at least mm-hmm. be on the hot seat. And he panics and he pulls somebody's red shirt and he wastes a year of the guy's eligibility for two games or three games or whatever. Like those were always like the red flag moves that I saw from coaches where I could tell that they panicked, you know, they, they yeah. put immediate results over the long-term development of their program. Because they're looking to move on. Well, yeah, right, right. As a coach. Um, so I agree. That's, that is something I hadn't thought about. And I give Kleiman credit for that. You know, I like, this is such a weird year. Like, I'm not going to write it off. I'm not going to just pretend it didn't happen, but it's, it's one data point. So Kleiman came in and he cleaned up some things that needed cleaning up, you know, in the aftermath of the last coaching staff having some, some less than optimal practices in some of the the ways that they did things, you know, and he took a a talented, he he took an experienced, if not super talented team and he won a game. That's good. That's, I mean, that's, that's good. Like, 
I mean, so then you get to this year and everything is off. Like there's no spring ball, there's no, there's no anything in the spring or summer. And then you get thrown in, you're like, well, we're only going to have one non-con game. And, you know, half the team is like out because of a positive test or contact tracing half the time. And, and again, I'll point out, it's the same thing everywhere. So, you know, yeah. I'm not saying that our situation was unique. And, you know, maybe we could have handled it better than we did. Certainly, I look at Iowa State and I think, wow, they really yeah. handled COVID a lot better yeah. than most programs I mean, do. I mean, I think like there's they, some luck involved there, but they, they also did a good job. Yeah. There is. And, but look at K-State season. They really, it really seemed like after kind of a rocky start, they had things under control until, you know, about a week or two after the West Virginia game and then certainly after the Oklahoma State game. And, you know, are we going to fault people for kind of losing focus after their chances of contending for a conference championship had been dashed? I mean, mm-hmm. it's a weird year. So, like, I don't like seeing the team – basically quit like they did against Iowa State and Texas. I mean, those were just ridiculous games that in a normal year, I'd be like, that's not good. And that makes me think that this coach is kind of losing control. But again, it's such a weird year that I'm going to forego the hot take and I'm going to be like, let's see, let's see what happens next year. Let's see how they regroup. You know, when we get back in a routine where everything is normal, can we get back to, you know, playing solid fundamental football for four quarters when we don't have a bunch of starters out, you know, for contact tracing and all that, you know, do, yeah. we, do we not get in these situations where, and Nick, you've talked about the, the effect of momentum in football, like the momentum started going against them with the West Virginia loss. And then it snowballed after that close home loss to Oklahoma state. And then just after that, it was just, everything was gone. And it you just, just went yeah. downhill like an avalanche. You lose confidence. You just lose confidence in, in your ability to win games. Like you, you know, you lose a couple of games, and you just like you, you, you go in there with your high aspirations, and and you get beat down early. So they go up by ten points or fourteen points, and it just seems like that lead is insurmountable. Whereas, you know, if you're winning, then you're like, eh, it's nothing. We ain't worried about that one bit. Like, it's we're gonna get this back. So it's just a, it's just a matter of just having a confidence to to kind of you know football truly is a game of inches. I mean quarterback windows are tight, you know, getting a sack is tight, you know, six inches quarterback moves up in a pocket and you know, ducks a sack. I mean, so it's truly that. So that's, the, that's where the confidence, and once you lose that confidence, then yeah, you're like, no, nah, nothing. We could have the most perfect game plan. We go down, it's a wrap. And you just never yeah. recover. So that, that's what it is. And, and I like, I, so what I've started doing this year is um, for one, I didn't watch like second halves. And anytime it's going bad, it's, it's, it's 2020. Like it was like yeah. my little safety blanket. It's, 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 it's fine. <laughs> Everything's burning, but this is 2020. We're good. But no, what I do, I would listen to the press conferences a lot. And you can glean a lot of information from press conferences. And, you know, you're never going to tell the full story. You know, you're getting the tip of the iceberg. But it was interesting to hear Kleiman's words about being nervous about just being able to put together a squad. And like, once yeah. you say that, it's like, Shit, it goes back to Luke. What you what you were saying about you know just they they did all their games. They participate yeah. in every game, and that's what you got to do, man. That's you know it's tough. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. And yeah, I mean you look at even that Iowa State game. I mean you know, I would never say Kansas State like would have won or anything, but if they score on that first drive, then who knows? That's that's a different game. But it is, yeah. yeah. Well, and you know, I think too, like the defense wasn't getting help. Like the, the defense was doing always doing a great defense was great this year, fantastic. Yeah. And just they didn't they weren't playing 
complimentary football, like what the Chiefs did on Sunday, what they did yesterday. Yeah. You know, they're like defense is holding their end of the deal for a quarter or two, and then offense kicks it in, right? So they yeah. weren't doing that. So it's frustrating if you're a defender, if you're on the offense and defense isn't doing their job. Yeah. So the other thing uh, we kind of got to talk about, and a lot of fans have been complaining, and I think part of this is just the, the perception of him even before this even started. But, you know, people are worried about Courtney Messingham. So obviously, Chris Kleiman and him have a good relationship coming in. You know, there's been some questions. So how, how much of the offensive struggles, when they struggle, do, do you put on Messingham this season? If it's your job um, to, to call an offense and you have a new quarterback you're not familiar with and you don't know what they're good at, maybe they've shown some things in practice that, and you want to dial up, you want to open up your playbook and, and call your plays. Do you have the confidence to dial up a play and say, oh, he did not, this was not his in practice and to do it live. Right. So you're, you're, so he's sort of like coaching one handed because sure. it's just, it's a tough transition. They've got the Skylar game plan down pat. I did see to me, I, I was frustrated for a couple of games, but then I absolutely loved the Baylor game plan on offense. Obviously mm-hmm. one, right. I know you guys are thinking, yes, we ran the ball in, in between the tackles with Deuce Vaughn. We ran and the damn ball, Nick. That's it, man. That's it. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, that's the shit I'm talking about, Courtney. Like, that's yeah. what I want to see. You know, yeah. you need more of that. And what you do with there is, you know, you 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 eliminate, you wear down the defenders to where, you know, there, it takes a little sting off their pass rush. And it makes them second guess. Like, oh, maybe they're going to run the ball. Okay, I can't rush as hard. But, yeah, I like that Baylor game plan. That was slick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And even against Texas, there were a lot of positives. They ran yeah. the damn ball. I know, right? Yeah. It's weird. It's a weird – but honestly, yeah. it's easier to pass block. But, yeah, yeah but running the ball is great because you're in control, yeah. right? You're, you're the aggressor. I mean, as far as Messingham goes, I like I hate to keep just saying, well, I just don't know because 2020 is weird and <laughs> how are we to know. But but you're right, Nick. Like we had a whole new offensive line this year, and then the the four year starter at quarterback gets hurt in the middle of the year. Like you got to kind of write off write off a lot of the results oriented stuff after that. Is just like, well, you know, what what are you going to do with that type of situation? Like, what's Andy Reid going to do with that type of situation? You know? Yeah. Um, I will say that I still have some reservations just about the general idea of what they want to do. Because my concern and my concern here is more structural. It's that, like, I think that what they did worked really well at North Dakota State when they had better offensive line and better running mm-hmm. back and better quarterback talent than pretty much anybody that they played. Like, you know, I mean, we'll have a Tyler Lockett here and a Nick Lecky at center there and uh, Darren Sproles <laughs> at running back, you know, there uh, at K-State sometimes. But, like, you know, we're not going to stock the whole roster with NFL talent. So I'm just not, I, I, I'm not sure yet that I'm convinced that the way that the system and the way that Courtney Messingham wants to play is going to work with, you know, less than overwhelming talent across the board. That's and I my, think those are the same complaints. Those are the same complaints that Iowa State fans had too, which is telling. So. <laughs> <laughs> How are they doing this year? Is Iowa State good this year? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> week one, man. Hey, hey, hey. Week one versus now, Iowa State. If you're an Iowa State fan, what are you thinking, right? Burn it all down, yeah. right? Burn yeah, it all down. <laughs> Nick, Nick, they might do something this year that they haven't done since the Titanic sank. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> That'll be a good game, man. It's tough though, man. You got a rematch, yeah. uh, rematch versus Oklahoma, yeah. man. That's gonna That'll be difficult. Be well, and I mean, think about think about our game with Oklahoma then versus now. Like oh, Oklahoma man. is a yeah. completely different team now. You know, and, and I'm not saying that Iowa State can't win. I mean, they are really well coached, and they're playing with a ton of confidence right now. It, like, the, the confidence that they show right now is just insane. Yeah. You know, but, again, OU is the bully. They have better talent across the board. You know, they're playing with more confidence now. You know, it's, it, it's hard for me to imagine Oklahoma not getting back at them the second time. But, then again, Oklahoma has shown that they can be dumb and undisciplined. And <laughs> <laughs> they, they can beat themselves, even if they have better players at quite literally every position on the field. Yeah. All right. So as we're kind of wrapping this up, let's start with, I want you guys to tell me that the biggest positive you saw from the season. I'll start with the most obvious, which is Deuce Vaughn. We talked about him before. His ceiling is just kind of sky's the limit. And I, I think we saw him become even a more complete back over the course of the season. He's obviously a guy that's going to put in the work and really excited to see what he's going to do. So, I mean, what is the biggest positive you guys take away from this year? I think I'm going to go with, I think I'm going to go with Khalid Duke. You know, everybody was talking about him before the season, and I was like, "Yeah, I've seen this uh, opening to a movie before. I've I've seen I've seen the new guy get talked up by the coaches, and and then you know barely shows up in the stat sheet during the year. But you know, I was really worried before the year that Wyatt Hubert was just going to get double teamed all the time, and for all his talent was going to end up being ineffective just because they didn't have to focus on anybody else. And it wasn't just Khalid Duke, don't, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, obviously the guys in the middle, you know, were a big help too. I, I thought the defensive line in general was a bright spot, you know, but Khalid Duke really showed out. Like he's not an all-conference player, you know, I'm not saying that, but it's also his first year. And, you know, the fact that he showed up on the field and made an impact was a nice thing to see. I mean, that defensive line could be really rugged next year. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'm wondering who's going to come back from that D line because um, yeah. that was mine. I I love the D line. Like I absolutely yeah. love the D line. It's the first time in a while we've had. Was it uh, uh, Boom Boom Massey? Was he ninety? Who was number ninety? Yep. Yep. Oh my gosh! Like first time I've seen like an NFL looking interior D tackle since like Mario Fadafehi at KSA. <laughs> I'm talking D. I'm talking interior D line. And I'm like, damn. And he can line up on, on the edge too. So I like Massey a lot, but I think to me, Noah, Noah Johnson, right? Center. Mm-hmm. That played great. Played fantastic. Yeah. He really, I love watching him play. It was really good. And you could tell when, when he, he got hurt first play of the game versus Arkansas state. And you know, it's tough. And I've been there before you go into an odd look, you're the backup. And you're like, I don't know how to call his protections. Right. So <laughs> you could tell losing him was, was tough for Arkansas state and he just played well. And he was like consistent all year. He's playing with like 10 different people. And, but I, I like Noah. Noah, he played great all year and he was the bright spot for, for me. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Offensive line, by the way, just got to give a shout out to Ben Adler. Cause he was a guy from my hometown, Winfield, Kansas. And it was cool to see him step up and step into a starting role. I think he did an admiral job this season. So that's awesome. Bunch of linemen got to play this year. Nick, I have yeah. to explain yeah. to you, for people who are from small towns, i.e. not from Dallas, it's like, <laughs> it, 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 it's like really rare to see people from our hometown playing in college. So yeah. it's, like, it's, a, it's like a huge moment of pride. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I still think like if I ever go to like any town in Kansas, 
Mike, and I'm and I think like like Smith Center. I'm like, oh, that's Mark Simino's hometown, or uh, Vermilion, <laughs> yeah. South Dakota. Oh, that's Ben Lieber's hometown. You know, so yeah, so I, I get it. I, I totally get it. Like yeah. anybody yeah. from uh, Ted Sims is from Newton, Kansas. Um, right. You know? Yeah, so they were in our league growing up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Carlos Olsip was from Garden City, or from no, from Liberal. He was from Liberal. Yeah. Sprolzy yeah. was from Olathe East, right? And so Olathe right. North. Yeah, right. So yeah, so I, you, everyone you play with, you know, you know their high schools and you're around them so much. Like, yeah. yeah, I'm with you. Where I, I get that, you know, like <laughs> yeah. I claim, yeah. Grapevine, Texas is home to Post Malone, Nora Jones. So yes, <laughs> nice. All right, all right. Yeah. So I get. Well, it. now see, this is good for me too because now I don't have to. You know, when people ask about athletes, I don't have to mention Nick Patton anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <That's good>. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, before we let you go, and we talked about this before, so I hope you guys have good answers. The NCAA announced today that, you know, because a lot of bowl games were canceled, they're going to let teams sort of create their own bowl games. And there are some rules about conference affiliations and you have to and it be a canceled bowl game or whatever. We're going to ignore those. So just what would be your ultimate create a bowl game for Kansas State? So for me, it's going to be Kansas State versus UTEP in the Bill Snyder Appreciation Bowl, sponsored by Werther's Original. <laughs> We'll put, it at, we'll put it at Arrowhead because it's close to, to Joseph's where Phil Snyder grew up. And, you know, it's a game Kansas State can win. You get Dana Demo back. I think it would be a lot of fun. So, so, so Luke, Luke, I was, I was 100% with you until you said you didn't want to play it at the Sun Bowl because, come on, how can you pass oh, up come a, a trip on. to El Paso That's... in the Sun? Like, the, the Sun Bowl is one of my favorite games just because I love that stadium. Like, I love yeah, that yeah, stadium. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and it's That'd right off. Fun. It's right off ten as well. Cause we just drive by it going from we drive, I drive from Dallas to Phoenix, and um, yeah. mm-hmm. I should drive right by it. It's right off the stadium. But I mean, I, I mean, I hate to talk trash about El Paso, but it's also narco territory. So <laughs> I would be, too. and I've seen narcos. So, but I've heard it's a cool. I've heard it's a cool city. Like, I mean, I have some friends who live there, and like, you wouldn't believe it, but this place is really cool. So. Really? I like how you say that, that like, incredulously. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're thinking that same thing, too. Like, yeah, that seems yeah. risky. Yeah. All right, yeah. who's up next? Ty, you still need some time to think. So I'll... Um, so, yeah, go for it, Nick. So I, I obviously, I would do the Whataburger Bowl. And we would, do yes. it, we would do it in Houston since I believe Whataburger started, like, in like Victoria or... Okay. Or not Victoria, yes. Corpus Christi. It started in Corpus, Corpus Christi. Christi. Yep. Yeah, Corpus Christi. So, but okay. it's Corpus Christi about an hour or two from Houston. So, but just play in Houston, you know, you got its major airports are right there. And I would play it in Rice in Rice's stadium. I don't oh, know yeah. if it's if it's in Rice Village, but Rice Village is like a yeah. super nice yeah. part of Houston. I've been like, there. Yeah, a really cool part of Houston. So, and then you could there's so many hotels that are right there available, so you yeah. can spread out everything like that <laughs> and a cool venue. And then I would have them play like A and M. Okay. Old school, old, school, <laughs> old school matchup. I'd have A and M's right down the street from Houston, so it'd be easy for them. Yeah. But yeah, that's yep. what I would do. All right. All yeah, right, Ty. Yeah, Nick. I, yeah, Nick. I like that. I mean, I went to law school in Houston. I lived in that Texas Medical Center area for a couple of years, and yeah, man, the Rice Village was aces. Uh, yeah. Place to go yeah. and get some food and some beers, and yeah, yeah. Yeah, and no, I'd have and, it and, and right. January 31st. So that way you can yeah. play the game and oh, then the players okay. get to celebrate New Year in Houston. So <laughs> yep. you can fly home the next day. Okay, you mean December 31st then? Correct. I'm sorry. Correct. I'm yeah. sorry. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yep. 
Yeah, no, and Rice's stadium is cool. I mean, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a shame that Rice is, you know, such a small school and they can't fill it up. But, it's a Harvard, it's know, a Harvard that, school. It's a smart kid school. Yeah. <laughs> it, is, it is a smart kid school, Dan. Yeah. All right, so enough stalling from me. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I didn't come up with a good name for this. You know, I mean, like the Cajun Bowl or something like that, I guess, is what I'm coming yeah. up with. But we're playing in, well... I mean, I guess the obvious answer is to say New Orleans. And side note, if not for this goddamn pandemic, I'd be on my way down to New Orleans next weekend. Oh, man. Play. Oh, so, man. yeah, I know. I mean, the obvious answer is to play at New Orleans. But I really want to play LSU at LSU. Oh, God. Like, I want to, I want to play in that stadium. Yeah, well, yeah, this would be the year <laughs> to do it. So, yeah, I don't know. I can't think of a great name for it. I mean, the Cajun Bowl is, like, you know, super trite and, you know, obviously, like, oh, yeah, well, mm -hmm. of course what we're going to call it. But, like, you know, some, we have to tie some sort of purple thing to it, you know, because we got two purple teams mm -hmm. and, and yeah. whatever. But uh, The Bayou yeah, Bowl? I, Can't you call it the Bayou Bowl? I know that's Bayou, already yeah, one, right? Bayou, Bayou. Bayou Bowl, yeah. No, I told yeah. I mean, I like, like that. that's always been, like, when people ask me, you know, who would you want to play in the non-conference? LSU. And, and yeah, yeah, I mean, I get that in a lot of years, that's not a great matchup, for us, but like just, just, for the, just for the experience, like that's a pretty cool, that's a pretty cool venue. Um, yeah. You know, it's a, you know, I, I, I don't know. I just like that one. Death Valley, Death Valley Bowl. No, there you go. Oh, you yeah. Crocodile, yeah, be tough. There's a lot of, <laughs> the Crawfish just, Bowl. Yeah, well, yeah. But there's, I, yeah, I can't think of a great overlap with Kansas there, you know, the yeah. can, the Kansans and the Kunasses, I guess, like that's all I can think of. <laughs> the spicy wheat, the spicy wheat bowl. Kind of like the, kind of like the old Catholics versus convicts. We could go yes. Kansans versus Kunasses. Right. That would be good one. I like that. I like that Kansans, a lot. Kansans versus Cajuns. There we go. Yeah. Maybe something like yeah. that. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> yeah. I was lucky enough when I was in Shreveport, I got to go to a few LSU games as a media member and it was especially at night that stadium was just really cool oh, yeah be so cool. Much game at. i mean they hear it just rocks and they've got the they've got a live tiger yeah. guys jesus That's christ so they cool. have a live yes. tiger yeah. which is the most louisiana <laughs> thing ever too especially after watching um was it tiger king yeah that's, tiger king. that's, that's yeah. on brand for new orleans and oh, baton rouge is just an hour outside of new orleans so that's just yeah, well, see, that's, but that's, the, that's the cool thing right like you know you, you don't have to play it in new orleans play it on this on the campus and yeah. everybody's gonna stay in mm -hmm. new orleans play it in tulane yeah tulane stadium <laughs> it's right outside new orleans. there you go there you it's go outdoor perfect <laughs> perfect perfect all right well that sounds good guys uh yeah we'll see what happens this bull season but appreciate having you on nick as always good time thanks ty Yep, thanks, y'all. Good talking to you, Nick. So, yeah, yeah, you too, guys. I'm I'm